Welcome to Mobile Interactions Now, the podcast where industry pros share firsthand experiences on making mobile interactions work. I'm Kevin, and I'm part of the team here at Tintech. On today's episode, we have the conclusion of our conversation with author of Agenda Shift, Mike Burroughs. So here's part two of our conversation with Mike. Take it away, Gene. Mike, welcome back to the show. In our previous episode, we touched on how companies can build on the general concepts and tools of Exile and improve their chances of success. In this episode, I would like to get more granular and delve into the actual process of a solution design. One of the things I love the most about the Exile approach is how it's facilitating customer collaboration and experimentation. I mean, especially now we are getting better at separating the back end from the front end for prototyping and so on, which is incredibly helpful. So let's start there. Well, the, the good news about front ends is that they're actually quite easy to to prototype to, to get an idea of what they're going to look like. And so when I say get an, you know when I say get an idea of what it will look like, I'm not talking about months of detailed design. You know, we might be talking about sketches and storyboards and things like that that just give a very high level impression of how it's going to work. And you trust you know, the detail to come out in the process of evolution and testing. And if you're, if you're clear enough about what your goals are, that helps you be clear about what we don't need to do yet. Very few architectures designed in detail up front survive the whole project. You know, when you once you understand, and, and, and I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, you know, as I mentioned earlier, you know, complex systems that work—they've always evolved from simpler systems that worked. You know, you embrace those sort of things, you get something that really works really well for an objective that you really understand, and deliberately excluding objectives that you can you can defer for a later date, and use that as 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 your basis. And you've got now you've got an end-to-end process. Perhaps in just a matter of weeks, you've got an end-to-end delivery process that works. You've got a strategy that is, you know, developing over time. You're clear about what your overall objectives are. And, you know, the detail emerges at the time that it's needed based on the right conversations with the right users, with the right stakeholders, recognizing the diversity of users, recognizing the diversity of stakeholders, recognizing there are lots of people you know, with a stake in the solution and deciding, you know, where, you know, for today, for this next sprint, for this next month, for this next quarter, where are we going to focus our efforts? What is the objective that we're going to meet? And how will we know that we're being successful? And if you can be really clear about those things, you'll be focused, you'll deliver so much faster, you will waste so much less on things that aren't needed and so on. And actually that's all great advice, whether it's a technology project or a, you know, some kind of internal change initiative, you know, same advice. When I talk with some of the uh, businesses who are really launching new services and trying out different touch points and things in that nature, one thing that really comes uh, quite open is not necessarily because uh, these days a lot of uh, different technology options are there. And and actually, they are pretty easy to put the components together once you start really agreeing on what problem is, is really the problem to solve. But I think I've seen 
couple of cases where, you know, it, it plays out differently when B2C versus B2B and yeah. where a lot of uh, business to business users being able to, because it's really different from making a little mock-up and triggering some kind of experience and then going to the streets and, and pre-COVID time, you do, you do yes. a, you know, you know, mall intercept and stuff, get a, get a quick feedback or something like that. But when it comes to more of a business to business situations, it, it, the deciding when to test when you're ready to test and, and, and getting that triggered is sometimes I find it rather sometimes political. Some, it just yes. gets a little more complicated. Any, yes. any advice as to how to play this out? Well, there is some good news. I think it's actually a lot easier than it used to be. And if you go back 20, 20 years, maybe slightly longer, showing my age now, when you did a, B, you know, a B2B integration in the bad old days, there were technology implications to that. You know, it, it meant buying into a particular technology. It meant buying into whether you know Microsoft-based or, or whatever it might be. And we're in a much better place now because we integrate now at the level of protocols, not at the level of technologies. You know, you're not betting the farm on a technology. You don't have to exclude a solution just because it's based on a different technology to the one that you're familiar with internally. And I think we all know now that no technology is forever. But the great thing is now that we've developed ways of isolating, you know, different systems from each other. You know, they talk to each other over the internet or over, over whatever whatever mechanism it might be. But they talk to each other in ways that can stay relatively stable, even as technologies change. Business-wise, you've got to look at the business controls around the tests that you do. Uh, so this takes me back to my time in banking. You know, I, I remember a day when I, I did a million pound trade in, in a production trading environment uh, by accident. Um, and that sort of thing isn't supposed to happen. But banks are well protected with business controls. I, you know, they knew within minutes that it was a mistake. And the, uh, it did actually get as far as uh, another bank, another counter, the counterpart that I, my test trade traded with. You know, they said, oh, where did this come from? And it didn't, in the end, it actually wasn't that big a deal. It shouldn't have happened. And actually we took steps to make sure it, it couldn't happen again. So you need business, business controls around testing. It's helpful if, if you've got separate test environments. That, that's one quite expensive way of making it happen. You might be able to segregate data even within the production environment. So that might be, you might, for example, start with a separate environment. So test environment to test environment. And then you might do testing in production, but where the data is segregated in some way. So back in banking, we would have some, some trading books we would trade in and we knew that it didn't matter. And you could do internal trades or even trades with counterparts in these trading books, knowing confident, knowing that it wasn't, it wasn't going to have any material business impact. Where you can roll back. Yes. But you need, you need your risk people, you need your finance people, you need your trading yeah. people. You know, all these people need to know, well, they need to know what's happening, first of all. And you need to you know, have robust tools and policies to keep that segregated stuff properly segregated. Each business, each industry will have its own norms for these, these different things. Now, for example, um, using a messaging platform, you know, there are platforms out there for sending you know, emails and SMSs and so on you know, from your application that you've built. And many of those will provide a test platform. And they'll send messages to you know, test addresses. You know, it's especially very easy to configure separate environments or 
segregated environments within you know, potentially a, a live system. You don't have to do big bang deployments. You can, there are often ways of turning things on incrementally. You know, I remember in my banking days, we did a, a cutover that we're talking about billions now of pounds worth of securities. That cutover was done over a number of weeks, you know, book by book. And it takes some coordination between technology and your business control people to do that, but it, it, it definitely can be done. Sometimes Big Bang is fine. Personally, if I can avoid it, I would rather avoid it. it it's it's so funny, though. There's flip side of all this. Yeah, so well, there always I, is. Yeah. I, I remember <laughs> the generation where complaining, not being able to test properly. And now I realize everybody's, you know, sandbox and everything else, testing environment, all those things is becoming, you know, common vernacular and all that. Yes. But what we are starting to experience as well is that because it's considered to be very easy to test, there is like continuous rolling POC state, you know, a proof of concept state where, you know, you, you solve the problem that need to be solved and you start adding another feature, another feature, you're, and then you're yes. stuck in this testing mode and really organizationally compelling people to say, hey, this is a make the call kind of moment yes. where, where you start deploying, rolling out or regional. And that's, that's another uh, blocker where, where, in a way. Where was the business objective that let it happen? You know, if you had a business objective, a business meaningful business goal that needed to be satisfied within a, a suitable time period, then you, you you solve that problem. You know, you, you're not just you know forever polishing the system until someone's ready to release it. Um, there's a business goal to be solved, and when we've solved that one, we'll move on to the next one. I think the goal, defining the goal, I, I think it, it it is really, and then making that yes. visible. I think people tend to yes. forget when when it when it becomes a big project. Yes, yes, and it's yeah. Um, visible means someone with influence is articulating it every day, and it's noticed when that goal is looking difficult, and it's celebrated when it's met, and it's clear what are the steps along the way. What are the you know the, the milestones we're going to be celebrating along the way? Perhaps unideally, there are some business results that we can celebrate along the way. You know, so if the business is winning in that process, then everyone's a winner. I want to talk actually a little bit more about the, some teams who are working on a very big project versus something easily deployable and making that interim stage that the success is visible and, and, and not losing momentum. That seems to be requiring more attention as well, because I think the, the success, is there a way, a word of advice now, how to more systematically get these successes more shareable and visible? Yeah, again, there's a few things that I, I've thinking back to my first, it was my second of those government projects, actually, before we were ready to go live, I was telling you, know, people were really worrying and thinking it's going to be horrible when we're live, we're going to have a, a system to support as well as having development work to do. And I was really excited. <laughs> and I said, it'll be so much better when we're live and we'll start to get some real feedback and we'll know that our hard work is actually doing some good. And there's some gratification there and all the rest of it. And, and I'm really glad to say I was right. And everyone was actually really excited when we did go live. And it really was actually really great to get you know, feedback from real users and so on. But there was a lot of hard work to be done in the meantime. And 
there was a lot of hard work in their case to have a completely scripted way of building whole new environments and doing deployments. And it would, took frustratingly long. We were back, this was in the very early days of Azure, early enough that the platform itself was changing quite quickly. But the work was done. And at a push of a button, we could create whole new environments. We could, we could deploy from one environment to the next. We could deploy to production. Suddenly, the path is cleared, you know, and, you know, we can make a change in one environment in our you know, development environments. We can see it very quickly in test. We can see it very quickly move to production. You know, that's, that's game changing. So there was a, there was like a stressful period before we got to that, you know, that, you know, that we we're all winning. But I'd done it before. I'd seen it before. And so I was able to, you know, encourage people and say, no, trust me, you know, it, it sounds scary now, but it's going to be great. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there <laughs> and are many, so yeah. many people working quietly. And, and sometimes those are the ones who are really making it happen at the end of the day. And if the whole process is, is not, you know, making that too visible. And I think because um, sometimes it just, loses yes. steam a little bit yes. and i think that that's, oh, actually, that's that's a very good point um something we used to do was we used to call them show and tells um scrum people sometimes call them uh, you know demonstrations uh, sprint demo or sprint review but every two weeks without fail we would have a meeting where we would share what we've done shared our learning share other aspects actually of the process as well you know share some of our metrics share some of our pain points share what was in the pipeline a lot of sharing happening and in the case of those exemplar projects i said they were high profile projects we had people from all over the country from different government departments coming to see what we were doing and uh, you know hopefully to take back some of what we're doing you know back to their organizations now at a smaller scale if you're doing this for the first time you know don't underestimate the value of you know sharing widely giving people the opportunity to see what you're up to give people the, the opportunity to contribute some great ideas as well and that's something that can be institutionalized and you know i've talked about working to objectives and knowing you know when you're winning and all the rest of it and you start to hear what objectives other teams are working towards and what they're signs of winning are going to be and then you start to see those converge and align and so on and now now the organization as a whole is moving forward so much um, faster uh, I've, I've avoided using a, a you know a bit of jargon that's okay <laughs> i understand the, the struggle between yeah. Yeah. uppercase and lowercase a is, yeah. is, a, is a, such a <laughs> such yeah. a bothersome yeah. choice there yeah. um, especially audio driven experience like what, what we are having yeah. so i mean we touched on some of the obstacles any any other big obstacles that we haven't touched on obviously you need to recognize quickly when something's not working well i've got this little, little tip really i developed the, the sort of intuition the default position that if ever i saw something not working well i would assume it's a collaboration problem and that was actually really helpful. And you um, were right 99% of the time? I was right 99% of the time. Usually it was a conversation hadn't happened that should have happened. And there was a change to the process that we, we could make that would ensure that conversation would happen. You know, it doesn't mean thicker documents. It just means quick conversations happening at the right time. Right, you know, a conversation happening between, you know, for example, just about, you're just about to start a piece of development work. And there's a, a great technique. It's called the three amigos conversation. I didn't invent it. So it's product people, 
technology people and test people is the most common three, having a conversation at the start of a piece of work. If your problem is work gets into test and no one knows which environment it's supposed to go to, who's going to test it, by what criteria it's going to test and but test it and so on, really common problems, you know, preempt that at the beginning with the three amigos conversation when it, when the work gets to where it needs to get to people will know what needs to be done to it you know it's it, it's kind of easy and obvious when you think about it but that's one example of a much broader class of problem i mean back in my days when i managed a global department in a bank and code reviews sometimes took weeks I mean, there's a real failure of collaboration happening there. You know, that, that just shouldn't happen. It's a failure of leadership on the part of some of the tech leads as well, that they, you know, they weren't ensuring that code was getting to that stage in a good state. You know, frame it as a failure of collaboration. Um, it avoids it being, I mean, I'm being not being quite so judgmental about the, the leaders by saying it's a thing you need to collaborate better. But it certainly takes some of the pressure off the junior, de- poor junior, junior developer who hasn't been appropriately mentored you know through the process that kind of language changed that problem almost overnight it's it's amazing how how, you know just that way of looking at it can can change those problems i cannot agree more because just recently because we are desperately looking for some developer on the front end and there are two choices it came down to two choices and my head developer picked one person over the other and I was curious because the other person had a more experience and and the skill set was a lot more extensive and said well the other one was a lot more communicative yes yes and And if you've got if you've got the aptitude then any technology any language anything else you know those things can be learned exactly Um, uh, that's not to dismiss expertise but a, a willingness to collaborate and a willingness to learn are two very valuable you know, features anyone joining a development team. Yeah. Okay. So this probably will be my last question. I, I would suggest that we make a list. Yeah. And in a good old tradition, and so that we can walk away with a list and, and in terms of what we have learned in past couple of episodes. So Mike, give me the list. What, what have we learned here? Well, I'm gonna, I'm just- I'm going to narrow the list down to two, but they're two, I suppose, quite rich things. But the, the first one is agreement on outcomes. You know, there are some conversations that absolutely has, have to happen if you can achieve anything of significance in your organisation. And whether you, whether you call that discovery or whether you call that, you know, working out your OKRs or whatever, authentic agreement on outcomes meaningful to the people in the room, the right people in the room, you need that. You know, so that's thing one. And actually, that's the beginnings of strategy. So it's, it's, it's a great place to, to start. So, so that goes to my first to my, my gender shift book, to my right to left book, is that the whole idea of right to left. Um, be clear about what it means for a need to be met and an outcome to be realised. Whose need? Make sure you really understand the, the, the people that you're, you're serving what their needs are, what their moments of struggle are that you're going to help them overcome. And your solution ideas are only ideas until they prove themselves meeting those, meeting those needs. And if you get that and optimise your process for doing that again and again and again, you know, you, you, you should do well. That is 
Absolutely wonderful wrap up. But actually, I, I lied a little there. I do have one more question. <laughs> one more question. Then, yes. <laughs> and it, it is kind of a nosy one. And can you tell me um, what you use the most on your phone these days? Top three well, will do. Uh, right. So I am a news junkie, I will admit. So I check the news a lot and and globally as well. So I kind of a little ritual. I have a list of bookmarks on my phone. So I'll do BBC News, I'll do Politics Home, I'll do CNN, I'll do New York Times, Washington Post, you know, get a, well, that's a bit, that's a bit transatlantic, but you get, that's not, I mean, I'm not checking, you know, you know, China Daily or something every day, but, um, you know, at least those I'm checking multiple times a day. And my other one is, I suppose, for the, the tech gossip, really, and the, the startup space as well, which I find fascinating. There's a, a really interesting interplay, as I said before, between the product space and the organization space, and the startup space really encapsulates that. And so I I love Hacker News. You know, it's just a place to get you know, lots of links, very diverse, interesting topics, but of generally of people of interest to people in the technology space and in the startup world in particular. But there's a bit of politics, there's a bit of you know society and everything else in there. Um, so I, I I do look at those a lot. After that, I suppose it's probably Spotify. I, I love music. Uh, like you, I play the piano. I listened to all sorts of styles. I grew up on classical music. I got into modern popular music in my teens. It wasn't until then I was really hardly exposed to it until um, until my teens. And then I got into jazz. When I finally got on Spotify, I kind of just sort of uh, binged out on the 70s. Some great music in the 70s of all different kind of genres, you know, um, you know, jazz and fusion and rock and soul and R&B and all, all of that, you know. Um, so, yeah, a lot of time listening to music yeah big spotify user all right so i must admit i didn't expect it to be so balanced <laughs> um, i absolutely loved it thank you very much thank you it's a pleasure talking to you thanks again to mike burrows for joining us today you can find more about mike at agendashift.com to find out more about gene and tintech visit tintech.com Make sure to subscribe to Mobile Interactions Now in Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or anywhere else podcasts are found. On behalf of the team here at Tintech, thanks for listening.